Welcome to Rich Conversations. Something I'm curious about is what life is like for people in different regions of the country and world. We're fortunate that we do have the technology to connect, even if the internet connection isn't always the strongest. So why not reach out to people and learn more about life and culture in their communities? Today, we'll explore the big sky state, Montana, by chatting with Steph Berta. Those who have been following this podcast for a while will remember conversations this summer about cities and the future of our communities. Remington Tonar made a guest appearance for some of these. We discussed the potential of city residents spreading out with the emergence of COVID and remote technologies. Steph is someone who's made that jump, moving from Chicago to the small town of Livingston, Montana. She's working her same job as she did in the city and has been happy and grateful for her decision. In addition to listening to this podcast episode, you can also watch it on our new YouTube channel. The channel is simple. It's just my name, Rich Ebron. And aside from conversations, you can watch videos explaining puzzle pieces I've gained from books I've read, weekly thoughts, and the meanings behind the artwork in my last book, Primary Ponderings. Lots of good stuff on there. Are you ready to learn more about Montana? You can follow Steph at Right Brain Ranch. Let's begin. All right. So I have Steph Berta here who is all the way in Montana. And something I'm very curious about, I, I have lived in the Midwest for all my life, and I'm just curious about other regions of the country. I want to know what it's like for them and you know what our fellow Americans around the country are experiencing. So we, we did a little, the first episode we kind of did like this was with my cousin Frank on Wisconsin culture. But now I have Steph here, in Montana, uh, who's joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, oh man, I, we must have met like seven years ago, maybe in Chicago, Rich and yeah. I. Um, yeah, we had this I, odd, I did... really odd job. Explain, explain this job that, that we met. This is like in 2013, I wanna say, yeah. Yeah, well, didn't we work for like a high-end, catering company yeah or like a company that like outsourced people to do like high-end uh, yeah it was yeah it was, it was really like weird. serving it was a lot of weddings it was a lot of a lot of yuppie weddings I mean they yeah. were they were very nice we saw a lot of really interesting warehouse spaces <laughs> I think I only went to like two I think I only worked like two of these and then I was just done I was like ah <laughs> I'm not, that's okay. I, that's how that goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what do you do in Montana right now? Yeah. So after eight years in beautiful Chicago, I did relocate back home. I grew up here, um, spent most of my life here in Livingston, Montana, specifically. Uh, Livingston is about 40 minutes from the northern uh, entrance of Yellowstone National Park. Really? So, uh, yeah, I live... Uh, clearly in a very, very beautiful place. And given the current circumstances, it just felt like a good time to really embrace uh, this new virtual life. 
that we yeah. are trying to create for ourselves and enjoy mm-hmm. some more time with family and just enjoy this space. Speaking of spaces, you have one of the, the coolest setups. It, it looks like you're in the mountains. It's like kind of like this dark old wood. It's a, uh, it's a nice setup you got there. Thank you. Yeah, I do live in a very quintessential Montana home. <laughs> it's a nice right. getaway for sure. So I'm looking at a map of Montana right now. I have traveled through like I-94, I-90. So I'm aware of mm-hmm. Billings and Missoula, especially. Yep. And so Livingston, yeah, Livingston is between there. It's like, like you said, it's just north of Yellowstone. Yep, Billings, or sorry, Livingston is in just south central Montana, very close to the Wyoming border. Oh yeah, by Bozeman too. Yes, yep, just over the hill from Bozeman actually. Okay, so what do you like most about Montana? You know, I was thinking about this. I mean, obviously my family is here. Obviously it's beautiful. Um, Mm. I mean, people are just fleeing the cities to start their lives here but I think honestly and this is the writer in me I guess I think in the most American sense of the word um Montana is one of the most romantic places that I have ever known I mean it's it's everything that you have seen in the movies or read about um I mean it's just it's still so wild and it's rugged and it's vast I am I believe we have like 27 million acres of public lands that are accessible to residents. Um, Currently, how many like how many million acres are there in Montana for reference? Oh, Lord, that's a that's a great question. We should probably look that up really quickly because I don't want to I don't want to misspeak at all. Yeah, Um, go ahead, though. I interrupted you. I'm going to listen and look this up at the same time. Yeah, please. Let's look that up and then compare it to just like the amount of like recreational access that we'll have. Yeah. Um, because it's huge. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it really is just one of like the few remaining frontiers in a modern America. At least that's how I see it. Um, she's just, there's, there's just something about her that makes you want to just figure her out and you just never will. And I think, I think people are certainly trying to, but I I hope she stays pretty wild. Montana. Montana. Yeah. I, I hear a lot about Montana. Um, not a, well, not a whole lot where I didn't have to reach out to you. (laughs) (laughs) But so how would you describe Montana culture? Sure. I think that that is probably best illustrated by just the personal experience that I had recently. Um, it is oddly enough, beautiful and 50 degrees right now, but about a week ago we had just this insane, just historic snowstorm. We had about two feet, uh, in okay. like 24 hours and I was walking the streets of, of downtown, um, living since about 7,000. We have a very, very quaint, downtown area it's a nice size yeah 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 it's adorable um 
And so I was just walking through the downtown and obviously we have like, you know, publicly funded plows. Um, but for the most part, like they weren't able to pass through some of the residential streets or some of the downtown strips. So small business owners and just homeowners were just as concerned about their neighbor's sidewalk or their neighbor, neighbor's vehicle yeah. um, or, you know, just the, a, a vehicle's ability to pass down the street. So we had just the town coming together on their four wheelers and their own personal plows yeah. and their shovels, just digging out the town. Yeah. Um, so I think just seeing that just really solidified everything that I had known about mm -hmm. Montana culture, which is, you know, despite it being, you know, so different from, you know, more of the progressive parts of the U.S. It really is a place of just great integrity and, and generosity, even still. Yeah. Um, and so I do, I do really appreciate all of those cozy aspects of a small town life. And I think that it keeps Montana residents just a little bit kinder. Yeah. Yeah. Two feet of snow and now it's 50 here. Huh? Nice. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, I imagine snow, she'll be back next week. <laughs> so we're enjoying this Indian oh, summer. Oh, I'm sure. sure. So I, I did look it up. It's 147, 147,000 square miles. Okay. You said, you said it was what, 20, uh, 27,000 27, square miles. Of 27 million. So 27 million acres. Of oh, acres. Lands. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't look up acres. Yeah, we, we measure a lot in acres, I guess, out here. Yeah. Interesting. So it's still a big, big chunk. Very large chunk. Yeah. Okay. So Montana is. One of the biggest states. So you have what? Texas, Montana, California. Alaska is the biggest, but it's not, you know, down here. It's a big state. So what are the differences in the culture among the regions of the state? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly variance in your traditional ranching communities. Um, you know, you have communities of backcountry sportsmen that live here permanently. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of tourists uh, constantly in different pockets okay. of the state. Um, and there are also a lot of very. I, I guess I'll I'll define them as progressive pockets of, I guess, artists and the wealthy. Um, like yuppie pockets especially as yeah i guess we can call them yuppies right that's okay um we're definitely seeing a, a population of you know people who are i guess essentially transplants who are fleeing from cities like chicago mm. uh to be closer to nature um and just have access to space solitude and and just communities that genuinely care about conservation. Mm. Um, also have to mention um, very proud culture of distinct American Indian tribes yeah. um, across the state as well, uh, you know, of which I'm certainly no expert, but that is definitely a very important piece. What are some of, of the big tri well. tribe names in Montana? Uh, Crow Agency is certainly one of them. 
Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, there, there are a great many list of like federally recognized yeah. tribes in the state. And obviously there are like definitely subsects of each tribe too. I'm certainly yeah. no uh, expert by, by any means. Um, you know, a great resource for that would definitely be um, you know, primary sources themselves are like the Museum of the Rockies in Bozeman. They probably have a lot of great information. About... Have you been to that museum? I love it. Yeah. Actually, I hear you're a big dinosaur fan. Huge. So yeah. you would be a big fan of that museum because, yeah, I mean, Montana is yeah. also like hotspot for dinosaur bones, man. It, so, it yeah, totally is. Like that. That's on my, my list. Museum of the Rockies in Montana. It is a, yeah, a very, very well done museum. Um, yeah. and, and, and I can say that as someone who has, you know, frequented the field museum, it, uh, it definitely yeah. holds its own against larger institutions like that. So you should definitely oh. check it out when you can. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so you said you have, there's a big sportsman culture there. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say sportsmen, I mean, uh, you know, hikers, um, I mean, skiers, snowboarders, um, yeah. we are very fond of our rivers here. So a lot of river rats, wow. uh, I guess I could consider myself one of them. Um, and then a very large, like, um, fishing and, and hunting culture as well. That's certainly a, a very prominent activity here in the state. Have you ever gone fishing or, or hunted? So I've been fishing. I feel like fishing is a little bit more accessible. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a family of hunters, so I'm very yeah. familiar with, with the culture, with the relationship to that sport. Um, it's hunting season right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's basically all of my, that's all my family is talking about right now. Um, I so what are the, what have, are those conversations like that you're talking <laughs> about a hunting? Uh, well, you know, they, they all hunt together, which is really nice. It's definitely something that has, has brought my, my parents and my brothers, uh, closer. Okay. Um, so every weekend and also sometimes during the week as well, they're just planning out where they're going. Um, my brothers actually filled their elk tags this past weekend um, oh, but I believe, wow. I believe they have deer tags still. So I think that's still, um, something that they're, they're working toward, but yeah, it's just something that I am for the most part, completely unfazed by. Um, it's also like what we ate growing up. So, yeah. so um, you're eating elk. I mean, uh, nice. oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like almost, almost every day. Honestly, wow. like our freezer would be full of elk, um, and especially as my brothers got to an age where they were le legally able to harvest as well. You know, we that that's like at least three. Yeah. You know, elk, elk are big animals are, too. They're enormous. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I I definitely respect them a whole hell of a lot for having to pack those animals out. Of yeah. the places that they pack them out of because they're literally unless they have like pack horses with them they're literally carrying yeah. it out on their backs which is wild do you ever get stopped in traffic 
with like moose or elk crossing the road? Uh, moose, not so much. Elk, uh, just because they're found at higher elevations, usually, no. Okay. Um, I mean, the closer you get to the park, the more likely. So when I say park, I mean like Yellowstone. Yeah. Um, the closer you get to Yellowstone, the more likely you are to run into that. Um, but usually it's just, you know, all deer on the road all the time. I'm shocked okay. I haven't hit one yet in my Jeep. <laughs> Wow. So moose, moose aren't in that region. They are, um, but they're, they're a little shyer and they also don't really run in herds like, like yeah. elk do. So it's just less likely to run into them. Wow. Mm-hmm. How often do you go to Yellowstone? Uh, at least, you know, since I moved to Chicago, I would make a point to, to see the park every October um, at the end of tourist season. October is really beautiful time, like right before a mm. lot of the park closes for the winter, at least the road access. Um, have not been since uh, the pandemic. Okay. Uh, it was a very popular spot for tourists this summer because I think that the pandemic really incited a lot of families to rediscover the, the Great American Road Trip. Yes. So, ah, yeah. yes, the Great American Road Trip. <laughs> Yep. So everyone and their mother were in uh, Yellowstone National Park this summer. So I, I tried to avoid that, like the literal plague. That we're well, in. so we got Yellowstone, but that's in Wyoming. What what national parks are in Montana? So there's actually a percentage of the park that's in Montana. Um, mm. The northern entrance is in Gardiner, which is technically in Montana. I'd, the okay. majority of the park is in Wyoming. But we we do get to have we get we get to have a very small piece. Um, Glacier National Park is probably, I mean, you know. Oh, I do see that the border goes into Montana. Yes, yeah. it's just right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sneaky. Um, I, I'd say that like. <sighs> National Park purists will, will hate me for saying this, but Glacier tends to be the more photogenic of the two parks. I mean, they're very different. They're very yeah. different, like climate-wise. Um, Glacier is in the northern region of the state. Um, okay. Do you ever go up one, there? That one is ours. You know, I'm embarrassed to say that I have I have never been to to Glacier. It was just, it just never, just never happened. It is a Definitely on my list of things to do. And now that I am once again a permanent resident, it's, it's a lot more likely that I'll, that I'll get up there. I'm, I'm looking at a map here of Montana. From Livingston at Glacier National Park, it looks like it's like from Chicago to like Memphis. It looks so, so long. It's on yeah. totally opposite ends of the Yeah, the big exactly. State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why. But I mean Well, you got some time now. I do have time. And like growing up here, you know, dri- driving seven hours to go play a high school softball game was not mm-hmm. unusual. So I shouldn't wow. make any excuses for not. Wow. So when you moved <laughs> from Chicago, what was the first thing you wanted to do in Montana? Uh, well, I moved this summer, so that really opens up a lot of opportunity for mm-hmm. outdoor ac- 
activities, that's definitely a good time to move. Uh, so honestly, in the summer, I'm on the river, uh, the Yellowstone River flows uh, right past and right through Livingston. So I am on the river as, as much as possible. It's one of my favorite places in the world. What do you think people in Montana care most about? Um, I think Montanans truly care about just living an honest life, um, which I think makes them generally suspicious of strangers mm -hmm. or who they may refer to as outsiders. Um, but I think that that's true of really any rural state. And I, I know that you, yeah. you're from Wisconsin yeah. originally. So you might, I don't know how small of a town you're from, but I feel like you've probably felt. Yeah. Rural Wisconsin. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So what, so we have this vast land out in the American West where Montana is what makes Montana different than its neighbors? You have Idaho, Wyoming, the Dakotas, and Canada. What, what makes Montana special compared to those? Um, I wish that I had a very academic response to this question, but all I can say is uh, sales tax. <laughs> sales tax? We, yeah, we don't, we don't have sales tax. <laughs> wow. Rejoice. Wow. Okay. That's a pretty big deal. How many states don't have sales tax? <laughs> oh man, that's a great question. It is a handful. Uh, five. Oregon, Nevada. Actually, Oregon, New Hampshire, Montana, oh, Delaware, and Alaska. Okay. So I guess Nevada does have sales. Tax. I heard someone who lives in Portland say once that there's no sales tax, but instead there's a conversation tax where each time you buy something, you have to like have more conversation with somebody because there's no sales tax. Is that true at all or no? That's hilarious. I find myself, I guess, having a lot more conversations here maybe but that's also just because i frequent a lot of small businesses and i, yeah. I guess at this point I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of them so but that's funny <laughs> yeah that's funny what what would you say is the most popular sport in the state um yeah so rather than trying to i guess define a population by a single sport, even though, I mean, high school athletics are, are very huge here. I think that's um, sort of a given with any uh, collection of small towns. Yeah. Um, it's very important. Very important. <laughs> uh, but I, I did read a statistic recently that 80% of Montanans pursue some sort of outdoor recreation, which makes sense. Um, so, I mean, that, that could mean like we discussed before, skiing, hiking, rafting, kayaking, um, and then fishing and hunting, which I, I'm, I'm learning about more. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to learn more about it. I think it's fascinating. It is 
you know, literally (laughs) one of the oldest, like, behaviors humans have exhibited so Mm -hmm. I I just think that that's really fascinating and also just like the intersection of hunting and conservation I'm trying to learn about more um so hopefully in the coming weeks I'll have published some some more articles where I I explore that relationship because even though I grew up in this space, mm-hmm. there's still so much that I don't understand, especially since I was, you know, away for so long. And, yeah. and I think that there is a, a huge percentage of the country that mm-hmm. still doesn't necessarily associate like the harvesting of wild animals to be something that's still relevant. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to learn more about it. Um, trying to have more conversations with my father about it. Um, yeah. Would like f- for that to bring us closer. And who knows? Uh, check in with me next year, and uh, know a lot maybe more. yeah, maybe I'll have you know actually experienced it myself. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you say the word conservation, how how do you mean it? And in what ways does Montana support conservation? Uh, well, I think that there are definitely different definitions of the conservation space. I think if we're speaking about the sportsmen of this mm-hmm. state, you know, of the hunters and the fishermen, I think that, you know, outside of the pursuit of the trophy, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do think that there is an element of herd management to, mm-hmm. to hunting. Um, I mean, especially as more people move into a space as all of those, yeah. you know, like uh, all of those wilderness spaces that we were discussing mm-hmm. earlier as, as that acreage becomes smaller and smaller um, I guess humans just have to be more mindful in how they're, they're interacting or potentially, un- and unfortunately, I guess, controlling the wildlife that also continues yeah. to cohabitate the area. So mm-hmm. obviously I have a lot more to learn. Um, but I, I know from the few conversations that I have had with, with people who hunt, Um, Although there are a lot of reasons for doing that. Um, A lot of it is, you know, tradition, family history, um, you know, feeding their families. All of those are very real reasons that people still hunt here. Um, I do think that there is an element of respect for nature too. It's just very, very ancient and very primal still. Yeah. I find the hunters that I know, they they understand this relationship with humans and nature more than most people do and how you do have to limit the amount of um, hunting and tags so that the population still sustains itself and, and uh, you don't, you don't endanger the species, you know? Absolutely. I mean, in my experience um, and, you know, I'm, I'm only speaking from my experience, but I find it to be like one of the most respectful forms of 
like animal harvest. You know, I mean, there, of course, there are a few outliers. Poaching is a very real thing that exists. um, And that is, you know, like, seriously prosecuted. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, I... I find it to be very, very like respectful and very respectable. So I do have a, I do have a question. I don't know if you know this or not. So when they're out there just waiting for animals to show up, what are, what are your brothers and dad doing? Are they just like chilling there? Are they listening to music? Are they in silence for hours at a time? Are they talking, (laughs) drinking beers? What are they doing? Um, I, you know, I, I think it certainly depends how long we've been going at it. Um, <laughs> my, my dad's very serious about the, the lunches that he packs for okay. his excursions. So I imagine that there, there's a lot of snacking <laughs> yeah. that happens. Uh, he's not really a sandwich guy. So as you can imagine, he, he brings, he brings quite the spread. Um, I think that there is an element of, you know, of bonding of conversation but they're also there with like a collective goal and that is yeah. to not scare the animals away so right. i <laughs> i think that they're pretty focused yeah. at that point um especially if they they do have a target that they are aware of in the vicinity. I know that especially elk hunting, um, especially okay. archery is very involved. Um, yeah. You know, my brother is actually um, an archery guide. He's, he's like a bow hunting guide. For right. Bow hunting is tough. That is tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard. I mean, it's very involved and his, his, I guess, job other than finding the animal for the client is to actually um call in the target for the client um it's pretty involved just because there are a lot of like environmental factors to consider like you know like wind direction and oh wow yeah things like that so again no expert constantly learning (laughs) so you really have to work for it (laughs) that's what you're saying oh my god yes and like just the elevations that they're scaling too. I mean, it's no wonder my dad can still beat me in a foot race. Mm. So if you have an open day, how would you choose to spend it? Um, I think like most things here, that's definitely dependent on the season. Um, Summertime, I'm, I'm on the river. Uh, you know, either like kayaking, tubing, rafting, that sort of thing. It's it's very much a social activity yeah. out here. Um, if it's if it's colder, um, you know, I'd I'd like there probably to be a fire and a beer within three feet okay. of myself. <laughs> yeah. So. so you do some writing. When when do you do your yes. writing, and what space do you like to do your writing in? Yeah, I um, do, you know, I, I guess I'm not a very organized writer and that I, I don't have a lot of structure around when and where I write. Okay. Um, you know, pre-COVID, 
God, I loved to just write at a bar. Um, I did mm. a lot of writing in coffee shops, in local breweries, local bars, just by myself. I find it actually easier to focus on the task at hand when there are okay. conversations and like human yeah. interactions going on around me. So I do miss that a lot. Um, we have a little bit of freedom here, but I, I'm less likely to to just park myself in like a public space these days to do something like that. Um, otherwise I am completing writing prompts in the early morning. Like as soon as I wake up before I have intense like tech distractions. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just try to plow through some stuff in the evening when I've, when I've opened time. Uh, in my in my home office, just playing records in the background. I like home I office. like for there to be Ooh, nice, like a little bit of noise around me. Yeah, what do you like yes. writing about? Most? Yeah, I do have a, I do have a, I'm very lucky to have a nice little setup. Yeah, um, human relationships, human conversations. Yeah, I care yeah. a lot about how we speak to each other, um, how we interact with each other. I care a lot about you know like missed connections, missed opportunities. So I, I write yeah. a lot about that. Beautiful. When you think of Montana, what colors do you imagine first? Uh, I'm I'm always just in incredible awe over landing in the Bozeman Airport in early summer uh, when we still have plenty of moisture uh, pre-fire season, so everything is green. Mm. Uh, Honestly, right now, though, Rich, I'm going to say white because we are staring about six months of winter in the face yeah. here. So <laughs> that will be my life for the next, uh, yeah, certainly six to seven months, I imagine. What's what's fire season? What do you mean by that? Yeah, um, we have, uh, I mean, I, I guess I can lean towards calling it a problem because it's certainly becoming more of a of a problem but um we have a lot of both man-made and naturally occurring wildfires that mm. occur here um a lot of them are essential to again just you know the land yeah regrowing itself um but unfortunately you know that as we experience the summer and as actually a lot of the west coast experience this summer a lot of very devastating wildfires, unfortunately. So what's so the protocol the, when that happens for people that live in the area? Um, I mean, I, we did have some, some recent scares um, where the best that you can do is, is simple evacuation. Um, you know, we, we have people in place who are, who are trained to handle things like that but at the end of the day you're trying to control something that is just so dramatically uncontrollable <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> yeah man wow what would you say your proudest moment as a resident has been um well my high school job was actually very unique and really informed, I guess, my work ethic. Uh, okay. 
just for the rest of my life and continues to do so. So I worked on a ranch for two years um, and without glorifying it too much, I cleaned out a lot of horse stalls, Uh, (laughs) but I worked really, really, really hard. And um, I think that I am just continuously trying to find the same level of motivation and hard work that that 16, 17, 18 year old. Yeah girl did because that Mm. that truly was a really defining moment of my life and also I guess like very unique to the environment that I Mm -hmm. grew up in um I certainly wasn't flipping burgers (laughs) or you know I don't know whatever types of jobs that teenagers have these days I've yeah (laughs) what what else did you learn while working on the ranch Oh boy. Uh, how to not throw your back out while stacking hay bales. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or, you know, nothing, nothing too extraordinary. Certainly it was just very simple work. It was very hard work. Um, and that's also, you know, work that doesn't necessarily stop when the seasons change either. So yeah. you just learn how to take in your environment and, work with what you have in front of you. Um, it was a great experience. And honestly, there's a, there's a part of me that wishes I still had something like that to go to every Saturday. Cause it, it really kicked okay. my ass. What is, okay. So a ranch, what's on the ranch in the Midwest? So I, there's like not ranches. Oh yeah. Yeah. True. So I, I this ranch specifically, um, <laughs> was uh i i worked for like the equestrian center portion of the property Um, this is a big property then they have a center an equestrian center okay yes yeah so that yeah they they boarded horses they um trained horses for competition um there are a lot of lessons going on uh interestingly enough the equestrian center that I worked for technically leased the land. So the, the equestrian, uh, Governor Bruce Browner, actually, who owns a number of ranches in the area. So okay. even before I decided to move to Illinois, I, I guess, was familiar with the, at the time, the, the future governor of, of Illinois, uh, we so he would have, he would own the horses, horses out there or something? Him. So he owned a number of horses there, um, but the entire okay. property was his. And okay. yeah, they traveled, they traveled out to the ranch a handful of times every year. Yeah. Um, huh. So yeah, that, that, that was just like an interesting coincidence yeah. especially yeah. as i you know moved to illinois just a few years later and then yeah. being elected as as governor that was that was very strange yeah so what sound would you most affiliate with montana well i think the lack of sound is kind of the whole draw of of the place um yeah. Otherwise, I would say wind. Uh, surprisingly, this I at least in, in Livingston, um, very very 
very windy place I live in. Howling winds, terrible okay. winds. Um, I also, uh, I, I live in a, what used to be an old uh, railroad town. And we really? still have a lot of trains that come through. Yeah. Okay. So honestly, if it's not for the lack of sound and if it's not for the wind, it's it's the trains because uh, they're coming through pretty regularly. Actually, it's very comforting in an odd way. That's cool. That's pretty unique. Yeah. What I like. What music do people in Montana listen to? Um, I mean, I have to say that we all secretly love country music. I think that's a requirement. Is that a secret? Um, to <laughs> I would, I would I imagine that's like trying to keep it a secret okay so what I'm what not, kind of country music i'm not ashamed why why um, should anybody I mean, be ashamed I, country music is i don't think so yeah. i i know I, I mean it's a huge part of like the american zeitgeist right yeah but uh country music certainly and i when i say country i you know i can certainly mean like you know, pop country, but there's also a huge like folk scene here, Americana, if we want to get yeah. into the very specific subgenres. Yeah. Um, Corporate country. That's what really I call great, it. Like under, yes. Oh, that's a good, that's a good word for it. <laughs> I actually never heard of it described that way. That's funny. Um, I'd say other than that, uh, we have a great like underground indie scene i mean there's still so many young mm. bands here who are who are trying to make it yeah. um a lot of really talented musicians live in the state a lot of talented musicians flock to this state um i mean john mayer lives down the road most of the year so really um yeah yeah um there's also a very accomplished like, classical and jazz music scene um and i i've been very lucky to know a lot of really amazing um classical musicians just growing up in that space and being able to travel the different cities in montana to play with them so yeah we, we can still compete on a classical level as well nice that's a, like an interesting kind of concept of like making it mu musically within society so that you can withdraw from society that's kind of an interesting, interesting. Idea. idea absolutely and i think i think that that also extends to so many other occupations now too yeah um i mean not to depart from the music conversation but there are tech companies moving their headquarters to Bozeman, Montana, so that, you know, their employees can, can do a job in, mm. in like a collective space, but also like get away from like the rat race, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think everyone's kind of catching on to it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Montana seems to be positioned pretty well for that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so when you feel overwhelmed or you need a mental escape, where do you go to clear your mind? Is there a specific place in Montana that you go? Yeah, I 
I guess I can I can just uh, let the secret out and say that I, I do have a, I do have a bench. I have a very specific bench uh, that overlooks the Yellowstone River. Uh, done a lot of overthinking there. Done a little overthinking. Bit of nice. There. But mostly just a great deal of overthinking. That that bench is where I do all of my overthinking. So <laughs> it's it's nice to be back uh, where I can just take a quick drive and, and get to my bench certainly. Do you feel like, was that a relieving thing when you like came back and then you went back to that bench and it was there like it had been and, and was that something pretty special in a way? It was. Um, and I think that that really extended to the rest of the town and the rest of my home uh somehow you know after being gone for eight years I I came back and everything for the most part was right where I left it which I I think is is what you want when when you're coming home yeah yeah I think so too Hmm. what are three things you think epitomizes the state uh, <laughs> practical skills, practical cars, practical <laughs> shoes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. Yes. All, all of these things that all makes sense need to be functional and functioning in order to thrive here. Practical skills, practical cars and practical shoes. What are, what that. are some practical skills you picked up growing up there? <laughs> uh, well, it's certainly not parallel parking. Uh, yeah. cause that's not really a requirement here. <laughs> um, j- there's just a lot of manual labor. I feel I, I grew up performing, um, or it just, uh, just like the gumption to be able to fix things yourself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I imagine that there are adults living in in you know more populated places that can also fix things for themselves but I don't know I I think everyone here is sort of a a real get her done attitude Um, at least that's how we were raised so um a a lot of fencing a lot of snow maintenance oh wow yeah Yeah, taking care of things yeah yeah what's it how would you describe as someone who doesn't know Missoula and um, not Bozeman. Uh, what's 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 the other one to the to the to the east? Uh, are you referring to Billings? Yes. Billings. Yeah. Billings and Missoula are the biggest cities, right? Mm-hmm. So what what are each of them like? Uh so. I I certainly don't want to say anything disparaging about Billings in case we have any Billings residents listening today. (laughs) We're huge in Billings, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's just say that uh, Billings was always a very practical trip that our family took every August to go school shopping because they had uh, an actual mall. Ooh, uh, the mall yes they had the mall yeah we, we take the 90 minute drive to to go to the mall uh missoula though is 
definitely the most progressive pocket of the state. Um, I mean, there's a university there. Uh, there's definitely yeah. a, a, a granola like culture, I guess we can call it. Um, it's just, yeah, certainly a lot more liberal, a lot more fun. <laughs> it's like than, uh, um, it's like the Austin of Montana. Yes. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, actually. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. What city do people go to to, like, ski? What's, like, the big, like, ski resort town? Uh, There are a few. So we we have a a ski resort uh, nearby. Um, Bridger Bowl is just in the Bridger Mountain Range over the hill in Bozeman. So that's pretty popular. Um, Big Sky uh, for okay. for our yuppies who are listening. Big Sky is a, a very popular travel destination. Um, and then we have a few in, in the northern part of the state, like you know Red Lodge, um, Discovery, different different places like that. So we're certainly not lacking in in yeah. skiing here in the state. So you mentioned um, a name of a mountain range. So over here, over here in the Midwest, mountains aren't a thing. So when we think the Rockies, we just think everybody refers to it as the, well, I'm speaking for myself, the Rocky Mountains, but you just name like a mountain range and there's different mountain ranges in the Rockies or what is that? Yeah. Yeah, there definitely are um, smaller range ranges that we identify. And then you know, I guess you could call them foothills, um, foothills that are technically still part of, of the range, but may not have as much elevation. But um, I would say oh. most of the peaks that you can see have been identified, have been named. Um, they're on a map. Uh, yeah. And all of those peaks also, you know, belong to you know, greater collections that are then yeah. found in what is known as like the greater Rocky mountains. So yeah. Yeah. Lot, lot to keep track of a lot for sure. So what would you want a non-resident of Montana to know about the state? Um, certainly that it's more than just a, a vacation spot or a thing to use. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind that there are real people here pursuing real goals, um, that have real families that have real ambitions, uh, and, and they need to be seen as such. And again, I don't think that is necessarily confined to Montana. I think that's true for a lot of Americans. Um, I think that there is a, a real dichotomy that needs to be unraveled a little bit that stresses that you know a a big city equates to to larger ambitions and I certainly had to train myself out of that um especially as I you know moved from one to to come back home uh that there are there there's just so much room for such great ambition here and it may feel like a simpler life, but I think that we just adapted in a way um, that we can achieve our goals mm-hmm. in an alternate way. 
Yeah. Using alternate methods. I love that. I think it's really important. So Here, I'm going to turn a light on behind. Oh. <laughs> Daylight savings. Daylight so savings. It's like completely dark in here. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so it's just uh, putting in the dark. The last question I have, what's a phrase or mantra that sums up Montana? Uh, please don't move here. <laughs> no. Um, I think that the unofficial endorsement as the last best place is becoming more and more apparent, especially as, like I said, Americans are just fleeing cities as quickly as possible as the landscape changes. Mm -hmm. um, I you know, I, I made I made the please don't move here joke because it's certainly making it more difficult to buy real estate. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but um, I mean, like I said at the top of the hour, it is really, at least in the lower forty-eight, it is one of the final frontiers, and I certainly feel very grateful and very blessed to. I don't know, have a homestead here. It's yeah. fantastic. It's just a completely new adventure that I'm very excited for. Yeah, well, I'm excited for you. Wow. Well, thanks for coming on today. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. It was so great to catch up after, you know, almost a decade. <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, anything else you want to add or? Thank you for listening. If you want to check out some of my writing. I do go into more of these ideas in depth. Uh, you yeah. can certainly find any of my work at uh, the rightbrainranch.com. So the rightbrainranch.com. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The rightbrainranch.com. Uh, you can check me out on Instagram as well at rightbrainranch. Um, I publish pretty consistently. Um, yeah. So if you want to read more about like I said, human relationships, human conversations, yeah. or if you're just really dying to know more about uh, the intersection of conservation and, <laughs> and that's, hunting. That's what I'm especially psyched up for. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Steph at Right Brain Ranch. Have a day that's ambitious as the size of Montana.